If you've ever been flying over a big city at night, especially with clear skies and maybe getting a little lower, closer to approaching the landing, have you ever looked down to see those thousands or millions of lights coming from the homes and apartments and office buildings and vehicles in that city? And have you considered how many people, how many souls are there? Have you considered all the good going on, the intricate stories of people's lives that those lights represent? Or perhaps, on the other hand, have you considered the evil going on behind closed doors and on streets? How many people down there know God and how many people are far from God? An interesting perspective to have. This view of looking down can either leave us feeling separated or far from all that is below, or it could lead us to curiosity. Or if we have a relationship with God, it could prompt us to pray and trust. Relationship with God is prayer. In that first reading we had from Genesis, we're told that God was taking that perspective upon Sodom and Gomorrah, looking down upon the city. And it says that God desired to go down to see for himself whether or not what was said about those cities was true and worthy of punishment. Now, God is not up in the sky, literally, but rather this is Bible speak for God desiring to carry out his justice according to the truth of the people's actions. But then God shares this view with Abraham, and he shares his plan with Abraham. Abraham knows that God is just and good and that God would not destroy an innocent life. And Abraham's nephew, Lot, was in that city, in Sodom. And so Abraham turns to prayer. Abraham says this prayer almost sounding like a negotiation, right? Surely, God, you wouldn't destroy this city if there are both guilty and innocent people there. And he works down from 50 to 10. If there are 10 righteous people found there, will you destroy the city still? To which God says, for the sake of the 10, I will not destroy it. This negotiation, so to speak, is to show how God is both merciful and just. The point is that, well, there weren't even ten in the city, but God still saved Abraham's nephew, Lot. Abraham had this relationship with God, a relationship which was only possible if he prayed. Abraham needed to pray because he needed to keep that relationship of prayer, which is something he had going with God, something that many others did not. But still, going back to beg the question, why would Abraham stop at 10? 
Why not continue to five, four, two? Or even asking God, if you find but one righteous person in the city, will you not destroy it? Well, for the answer to that, let's take a quick peek just four chapters ahead in the same story of Genesis. The part about God asking Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. You know the story. Abraham and Isaac, his son, get to the top of the mountain. They have the wood, they have the fire for sacrifice. And Isaac asks his dad, where is the lamb to be sacrificed? Abraham responds, God himself will provide the lamb. See, Abraham is praying, he's trusting. God himself will provide the lamb for sacrifice. Now let's take that and the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, looking at them in a different way with the lens of Jesus. Why would Abraham stop at ten? Well, because the number didn't really matter in the end anyways. What mattered was the relationship of trust through prayer that he had with God. Not even 1,000, not even one human being could by their goodness or merit save oneself, nonetheless a whole city from their sins. But rather God, looking down upon the world in the fullness of time, he knew that we were guilty, that we were in sin, that no one was innocent except for himself. So he decided to say, I myself will go down to save them from their sin. I myself will be the lamb of sacrifice. And so for our sake, he made him to be sin who did not know sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. St. Paul to the Colossians wrote in our second reading that Jesus brought us to life, obliterating the bond against us, nailing it to the cross, so that our relationship with God might be restored, so that all who are baptized and believe in his name could once again walk in the way of trust in the Father, just like our father Abraham a life of trusting in God as beloved sons and daughters of God the Father, made possible by Jesus. And that life must be lived out in prayer. We can only have that relationship of trust with God if we pray. This is so important. Even as moisture is necessary for the life of plants to prevent them from drying up, so is prayer necessary for the life of our soul, for our salvation. Like Abraham, we need to pray. Even more so, like Jesus himself, God himself, who prayed, we need to pray. When the disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to pray, he does not answer them with the words, if you pray, 
but rather when you pray. And he says to say, give us each day our daily bread. Now that in itself is a prayer of trust. Jesus is implying there that we must pray daily. I can guarantee you one thing. You will never regret the next day that you spent time in prayer. Now, if you consider yourself a person of prayer already, great. Keep leaning into that. Don't go a day without it. Keep learning more, not to grow complacent. If you're here at Mass, but don't otherwise consider yourself a prayerful person during the week, it's okay, no judgment. But here's the reminder to begin, to start. Just as we develop daily habits like brushing our teeth, right? Those habits don't come from nowhere. We can develop that daily habit of prayer. Just takes a decision of starting with five minutes a day, sitting in silence or meditating on scripture, or even taking the Lord's Prayer and praying it very slowly. At the end of Mass today, we're going to have a guest speaker introduce a way of praying daily one decade of the rosary. That might be a good way to go. But whatever it is, we can start with five minutes. Brothers and sisters, God gave his only begotten Son to make a close relationship of trust with God possible through prayer. What a great gift. What an immense opportunity to dialogue with the creator of the universe who sees all and knows all and knows us. A God who is not so distant, not just afar looking down upon us, but who has come to land, who has come knocking at the door of our hearts, that he may enter in and establish firm trust in our souls.